So I'm still talking about the new man out of Ephesians chapter 1 through 3, and we're going to move a little bit into Ephesians 4 today. So if you want to turn there, you can. We're going to look at some scriptures together and talk about the new man, which is the church of Jesus Christ. I want you to know that God has a relationship with a nation called Israel. Um, And so God's relationship with Israel stems back all the way to a patriarchal father by the name of Abraham. God raised up Abraham, God called Abraham, God established a covenant with him. And he established a covenant with his children. And those children are primarily Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And through these three men would come the nation of Israel. And in this relationship, God promised to give Abraham a seed by which the whole world would be blessed. This seed is not Isaac. This seed is Jesus Christ, the, the, the son that, of promise, the one that we were all expecting and Israel was expecting to come, um, that he would be born of a virgin, that he would come supernaturally and empower as the God-man on the earth, the Son of God incarnate among us. And so Jesus Christ, when he came, established a new covenant. It is not a covenant based upon works or laws or rituals or traditions, but it is a covenant that God the Father would establish with God the Son, and whoever would put their faith in the Son would be brought into Jesus Christ, and because they're in Jesus, they're automatically in covenant with God the Father. That simply means that all of the obedience and the righteousness and the holiness and the purity of Jesus Christ is imputed to those that believe. And so you stand before God as righteous as Jesus, as holy as Jesus. That might be hard for some people to grasp, but it's simply the fact that you didn't earn this holiness on your own. It was given to you by the Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ. And it's the garment that you wear. It's the new life that God has given you. And so when we talk about these covenants and we talk about, or we see in our Bibles, in so many chapters of the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, we have to understand that something new transpired at the coming of Jesus Christ and at the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says that all the way up unto John the Baptist was the law and the prophets preached. But even the preaching changed when Jesus came. And it was now the preaching of the kingdom of God. And then when Jesus took his disciples and he sent them into the world, he sent them specifically to tell the world what they learned from Jesus Christ. And Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God and the grace of God, which is the gospel of God. The good news of our God is that he is willing and desiring to receive us mercifully and graciously who come to him through Jesus Christ and gives us forgiveness of our sins and puts them away from us and gives us a purity of heart and mind and life. And this is what God does through us. And from the resurrection of Jesus, there was birthed a new man in the earth. And this new man is the church. This new man is not Israel. This new man is the church. This new man is specifically, as we learned in Ephesians chapter 2, is created from two groups of people. It is, he is created from the Jews and the Gentiles. And in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, nor bond nor free, nor male nor female. This new man is absolutely unique. The true alien that is on the earth is Jesus Christ's church. 
And so this church is here to continue the work that Jesus came to do, to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, to attack demonic forces and strategies that are operating in the earth so that Satan cannot advance his purposes. And the only thing that has to happen for darkness to increase is for the church to be divided, for the gifts of the Holy Spirit to not operate within the body of Christ, and for the church to think that church is an institution and it's no longer a living organization. Organism. And when Satan is able to do that in the body of Christ, he is able through that division to weaken us because the only thing that can hinder or hurt the purposes of God in the earth is a church that is not walking in unity and believing God by faith. And that's the only thing that can hinder the Holy Spirit. There's nothing else. It's not this culture. It's not a woke movement. It's not communism. It's a church that's not believing God. It's a church that's not walking in love. It's a church that's not walking in faith. And so I want you to know that the church is extremely important to God. As a matter of fact, Jesus even said to the disciples on their confession of who he was... When Peter said, you are the Christ, it was upon that confession that Jesus said, I will build my church. He wasn't establishing Peter as the Pope of the church. He was simply saying to Peter, it is this confession by which I will build my church, that I am the Christ, the son of the living God. And it is through that, that all things would come about. Paul would say this, that you are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitly framed together grows unto a holy temple in the Lord. And so we're a growing temple. This temple is being added to every time somebody turns from sin to God, turns from darkness to light. Death to life or Satan to Jesus, which is repentance. It's that turning and they put their faith in Jesus Christ. Then the church or the temple of God has grown in in that regard. It's grown a little bit more and God is building his church and his patience is that everyone that is to come in is going to come in. And then he's going to take that church home and bring about the end of his covenants with Abraham and the nation of Israel particularly. The church of Jesus Christ does not exist to conform to the religious mood of the day. It is not something that is to accommodate the culture. It is to lead the culture. And many times it is called upon to be persecuted by the culture. We're not to pacify the culture. We're to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. We're not the voice of reason. We're the voice of truth. We're the voice of God in this world. We're not to reason with men. We're ambassadors, not to somehow reach a compromise with the world, but to testify to the kingdom of God that this is the way. And if you do not walk in it, then there will be the judgment of God that will come upon that nation or that people. We're not here to be socially acceptable. We're not here to get the key to the city. We're not here to have politicians and, 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 and all of the such to love us and to like us and, and maybe join themselves to us. The, the church has never been accepted by the world. Jesus said that as they've treated me, they will treat you. If they called me a devil, they'll call you a devil. If they've hated me, they will hate you. 
And so the church, its whole existence is to attract the presence of God, not the presence of necessarily people or the masses or the culture or the youth or the elderly. It's to attract the presence of God and anyone that wants God and wants the presence of God should be able to find him in the church because where they're gathered in his name, he is there. And so they're looking for God, and, and, and that's what builds the church. People who are wanting to be disciples of Jesus Christ, not people who are wanting to go to some place where, where people have social acceptance and we can punch our little card and say, God, are you happy? I went to church today. That's not what it's about at all. We don't exist to occupy property, to perform mere religious duties. We are to be an assembly that is alive and is the body of Christ in whom the Holy Spirit lives. One of the chief characteristics of the church is that it meets. It meets. It fellowships. This is one of the outstanding characteristics of the church. The functioning of the body is manifested through the meeting. 1 Corinthians 12 tells us that the Holy Spirit puts us in the body where it pleases Him. And he says it in regards to the fact you've become a finger, a hand, an ear, a mouth, an eye. You've become a part of a living body. And and the reason the Holy Spirit gives that picture of a hand, a foot, a mouth, or an ear, because he wants you to understand how would you like to go through the rest of your week without your foot, or without your hearing, or without your sight. And so the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us, I don't want to go through this next week without my feet. You are my feet, my ears, my eyes. And so he expects the body to function as a body. And so that every part complements every part. In Ephesians chapter 3 through 5, you find some of the great functions of the church of Jesus Christ and how it is affecting the world. After the resurrection of Jesus, he gathered the disciples together to him. They met. They met often. He called for them. He told the women, go and tell my disciples to meet me here. And tell Peter to be there as well. Sometimes he called them specifically by name. Before the day of Pentecost, the disciples gathered together in one accord to pray. They were meeting in an upper room. Those that forsook the meeting did not experience the outpouring of Pentecost. There were hundreds that believed in the resurrection. There were hundreds that believed that Jesus was Lord. He appeared to 500 at once, but only 120 had the faith to meet and experience that initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit that would transform and and disrupt The events that would happen on the world from that point forward. On the day of Pentecost they came forth. And they also continued to gather together. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 2. That they continued steadfastly in their gatherings. They were committed to this. 1 Corinthians 14 talks about the entire church gathering together. No one who is a part of the church can be exempt From meeting with the church. No one can. Those that can exempt themselves from meeting with the church. By that are actually saying. I am not the church. Because the church by definition. Is not you as an individual. It is the many that make up the one. 
And the church meets. It meets by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's gathered together by the power of the Holy Spirit. Church comes from the word ecclesia. The gathering. This is what ecclesia means. The gathering of those that have been called out. Called out of darkness. Called out of death. Into the life of Christ. Into the kingdom of God. And the definition of that ecclesia is that they gather together. Precious lady who came last night to our prayer meeting was walking through the door saying, where's the ecclesia? And I just said, I hope it gathers. We had a beautiful prayer meeting last night in the gathering of the ecclesia. It comes from this word. If all the called out ones are separated from one another, we will not have the church. The church will not be produced. Christianity does not have self-taught Christians. Do not think that we can be Christians who just shut ourselves up to pray by ourselves, study our Bibles by ourselves, and I can do this alone at home. You can do that alone at home, but that's not church. Christianity is not built upon individuals doing their own thing and making their own way with God. It is an assembly of people drawn together. And I want to read this to you in Ephesians chapter 4. And I want to draw this out to you. And we'll take some time over the next few weeks to to talk about this. But he talks about the resurrection of Jesus in verse 8. And he says, wherefore he says, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. So Jesus Christ ascends into heaven. and, And part of the testimony of his ascension is that he gave gifts Back to men on earth. What are those gifts? He tells us now that he ascended. What is it? But that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. And he that descended is the same also that ascended far above all heavens. That he might fill all things. And he gave. So here are his gifts that he gives from his ascension. He gave some. I want you to notice the word some. Not everybody who's a Christian is an apostle or a prophet or an evangelist or a pastor or a teacher. Not everyone is. And people are not this because they choose to be. And they're not this because men declare them to be. And they're not this because a church might give them a certificate. You can do all of those things. It does not make a prophet. It does not make a pastor. This this role that is given by Jesus to the church is a sovereign act of the Holy Spirit upon particular people that are designated to serve the body of Christ in that place of leadership and authority. It's done sovereignly by God. And it's not given to the best of people. It's actually given to the worst of people. Sometimes the most undeserving, the most untalented people are are brought into places and avenues of leadership. They have personally no right of being in. And that's where a lot of division comes into the church. Because there's a lot of people who have a lot better talent at preaching 
and teaching and learning. They're a lot smarter. They're, they're far more wise. And I could do a lot better job leading the church than that guy. And they create division within the body because of that. But people don't ask for this. They're picked and chosen by God. And Paul says they are gifts that are given to men. Now these offices within the church. And this is why you can't do this at home by yourself. Because you might be none of these things. You might not be an apostle or a prophet or a pastor or a teacher or an evangelist. And if you're not that, and if you're not getting the benefit of those five offices in your life, then you're not going to receive the benefit of what follows. So you can stay at home, do your church online, but that's not the intention that God had in mind. You're not getting the benefit of the ministry. And so the benefit of that ministry is this, that these offices within the church serve for the perfecting, verse 12, the perfecting of the saints, that's their maturity, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So those offices are operating in such a way that the Holy Spirit wants to work through our life to help you mature in Jesus Christ, to equip you to do the work of the ministry that God has laid out and to build up the body of Christ. And that is what God desires to do. And then he says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. And we're all coming to that. Even the apostles and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I believe that's talking about the harvest. Being, bringing in the, the fullness of the Gentiles into that perfect man. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. By the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, we may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. And so when, when you understand this, please, please notice this, that we need the body of Christ not only to mature, not only to be equipped so that we can do the work of the ministry, not only to be able to edify the body of Christ, but it takes all of us to have unity in our faith to know Jesus in a greater fullness. It takes all of us. I learn from you. I hope you learn from me. And it is through that that we grow together and we mature together. Also, it is through the protection of the church that we're not going to be knocked around by every new doctrine that comes along. Because how many of you know there's a lot of new doctrines that come along? There's a lot of doctrines of devils and seducing spirits that come along. How many people don't go to church anymore because they say, you know, the church is full of hypocrites? You know, I, 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 don't, I don't know the complete analogy of this, but it's like, why do people go to health clubs when they've got fat people in there? You know, it's like, you know, are they hypocrites, you know, so no place is perfect. You know, you don't go to health club because everybody is like Hercules fit, you know, or whatever it might be. It's, it's all types of people who are, who are striving to better themselves, if you will. And the church of Jesus Christ by admission here on earth in Ephesians chapter 4 is not a perfect place. It's filled with immaturity. It is filled with people who are struggling and people that need protection. 
lot of times people who just separate themselves from the church and they're self-taught and they're self-learning and, and, and they're doing all, they, they oftentimes go off into error, into doctrinal error because they have nobody in their life to say, well, wait a minute, I'm not seeing that in the scriptures. There, there's something that's off with this. There's something, let, let's, have a, let's have a friendly discussion about what you're learning because I'm just not in agreement with this. So let's open up the word together. You have that in the church. You don't have that in your lazy boy at home by yourself. And so we can go off into error and false teachings because there are people that are strategically lying in wait to deceive you, to deceive you, and, and that deception is there, and so we speak the truth in love, and we grow up into Christ, and then he says in verse 16, that every joint supplies every joint, it's like the human body, it's like my body, the, the blood circulating through my body, nourishing every cell within my body, and bringing life and vitality to every part of my body and all the extremities of my body. That's how the church is supposed to function. And the life of this body is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit needs to flow through your life and my life. And then back from my life into your life and into other people's lives. So that every extremity of the body of Christ is receiving the vitality of life that comes through that fellowship. And so church is not a corporation. It is not some institution and you attend it at this time or this moment. It is the life of God within a new man on the earth that needs one another. If the, if the work of God is ever to be done in the earth, we need one another and we need to be together. And so just understand that one of the great purposes, everybody's not called to a five-fold ministry. And I need that in my life and, and you need that in your life. And so I want to expose myself to that so that I can have proper growth and maturity in Christ. Be careful about being self-taught, having private and personal revelations. We don't have prophets necessarily like that anymore. And we certainly don't have prophets today that are coming forth with new doctrine. We have the Holy Spirit who can bear witness with all of us. And we have the word of God to test Everything that comes forth and that is discussed. So be careful with that. Assemble yourselves together. This is fundamental to Christianity. It is elementary to the desire of the Holy Spirit as we've just read in Ephesians chapter 4. The functioning of the body is realized through the meeting. It is in the meeting. It is in the congregational gathering. It is when the church gets out of their homes And goes to a place to meet where the gifts of the Spirit are to operate for mutual benefit and the profit of all. That's where that's supposed to happen. I love watching church online. I love streaming things. I love listening to things like that. But the gifts of the Holy Spirit do not operate through the internet. There there might be somebody watching right now online and maybe the Holy Spirit's moving on them and they have a word for the church. Sorry, you can't give that to us. You're not here. And and it could be the salvation of someone's life. Maybe, Maybe somebody watching online has the gift of healing, but they're not here to lay their hands on James and see him totally delivered today from his sickness. The gifts of the Spirit are in us. 
And so you can't do these things online. COVID was a strategic, demonic move in our world that altered the concept of the church in the minds of biblically illiterate people. And that's why I'm teaching about the church so that we can be guarded, we can understand the truth, and we can be prepared for the next wave of satanic aggression against the church because it's coming. I can promise you this, the thing Satan hates most in this world is the church. It's the thing he's most afraid of. China, Russia, United States, care less. The church of Jesus Christ, you can shut me down. So everything I do is to shut you down. That's what Satan in his mind would be. And so understand that. The church is the gathering of people. This is from the Thayer's Dictionary of Greek Words. The church is the gathering of people called out from their homes into some public place to worship and fellowship. The fellowship of the church is the joint participation, the intercourse and intimacy of one body. Who lives to make known by the power of God's spirit the manifold wisdom of God. The church, by its Greek definition, is the word ecclesia. The strong says ecclesia is the calling out and the coming together of those who belong to Jesus Christ. It is the popular meeting of the body of Christ. It is the gathering of that whole of a religious congregation. This is the first thing that the Holy Spirit began to produce from the day of Pentecost forward. In the very beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And again, he says in verse 46 of chapter 2, they continued daily with one accord in the temple. And breaking bread from house to house, they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. In Acts chapter 4, after they were beaten by the council and let go, they went to their own company. They didn't have to call a special meeting. The church was meeting and everybody knew where they met. And as soon as Peter got through with his whipping for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and the the, the leaders of the day, the rulers, telling them they can't do this anymore. He goes to the church where they're having a prayer meeting. In Romans 16, it says, greet the church that is in their house. In, Ro- in 1 Corinthians 16, 19, he says, the churches of Asia salute you. And he, and he speaks of churches as plural, because there was many churches throughout Asia. And Aquila and Priscilla and their church. In Colossians 4, he says, salute the brothers that are in Laodicea. And then I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. And I want you to see it. If the purpose of the church is to be the habitation of God in the earth so that his manifest wisdom can be displayed against satanic powers, then do not for one moment think that satanic powers will not war against the church. 
The pressure upon the church, the pressure upon the people to make this an institution rather than a living body is the desire of Satan. To bust up the fellowship, to keep the church from gathering. Satan doesn't care if you read your Bibles at home. He doesn't care if you like God. The greatest commandment is to love God. So Satan says, go ahead, like God. The Pharisees like God. but They sure didn't love Jesus. And they would crucify him. So he says in Hebrews chapter 10, and, and I would just say this in verse 24, let us consider one another. That's why we're having this encouraged conference. Let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So somebody might ask the question, how much do I have to go? How much do I have to go to church? How much of church do I have to attend? It's very simple. How much of the grace of God do you want in your life? Is a 9 to 10 o'clock shot Sunday mornings good enough for you? If it is, it's between you and God. But if I read in Ephesians chapter 4 that God, Jesus, has given gifts, these offices in his body, and when the church gathers together, the Holy Spirit is moving to profit everyone. I want to, I want to put myself there as much as I possibly can. And it's not a matter of how many do I have to attend. It's like, how many do I get to attend? How many can I attend? When is the next one I want to be there? Because I need God in my life. I don't want to be deceived by all of the doctrines of devils that are going around there. I don't want to pacify my, my, my life in Christ by my own opinions. I need the body of Christ to speak into my life and to affect me and to convict me because the Holy Spirit's working. So it's how much of that do I want? How much of that is enough? And so I'm not here to put a legalistic measure on you. You, you just... In your fellowship and relationship with God, ask yourself how much you want. How much money should I give to, in my offerings to the Lord? How much money should I give? And you're, you, you give with a joyful heart. Some people, some people said, should, should, should I give you know, the, the 10% of my gross or the 10% of my net? And somebody said, do you want a gross blessing or a net blessing? That's up to you. You know, it's up to your faith. Believe God what he's going to return back to you. Well, we tithe, but does my business have to tithe? That's your decision. Do you want God to bless your business or not? You know, how much do you want God to bless your business? How much do you want God to do things in your life? This is the relationship of grace. It's not laws and legalisms. It's relationship. How much of this do I want? Do I have to go to the prayer meetings on Sunday nights? You don't have to. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven if you don't. Not by any means saying that. But perhaps the gift of healing is in you tonight. And maybe tonight you'd lay your hands on Billy McEnroy and he's instantly healed. Is that possible? And if it is... Am I worried about my culture? Am I worried about what's going on in the streets of Baton Rouge? We have one of the highest crime rates in the nation. 
Am I waiting for a new, a new mayor? Am I waiting for a new governor? Am I waiting for a new DA who's going to come with the solution? Is that what I'm waiting for? Or could we possibly in a prayer meeting as a congregation have a move of the Holy Spirit and a move of the gifts of the Spirit that begin to transform the streets of Baton Rouge? It's, it's all in regards to your faith. Well, well can't I do that at home? Yes, you can. But the corporate meeting will miss out on the life of the Spirit in you. They met together. They gathered together. And I, 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 want, to, I want to just kind of go through this because I'm, I'm talking about satanic strategies. We're in a battle. We're in a warfare, right? Is that really the time? Stop. It's not the time. It's, one, it's two minutes fast. Two minutes. All right. Hebrews chapter 10. I'll just try to finish with this. Why would people forsake the assembly? Why would people forsake the meeting? And when you read Hebrews 10, it's because of persecution. It's because of governmental laws and regulations and threats. That's why they stopped gathering. And he says this to them in verse 31. It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which after you were illuminated, you endured a great fight of affliction. You were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, partly while you became companions of them that were so used. You had compassion on me of me. In my bonds, you, you took joyfully the spoiling of your goods. When you became a Christian, you lost rights and privileges. You lost jobs. You lost family. You were no longer welcomed at the temple. You were no longer welcomed in the synagogues. You were fired from your jobs because they didn't want Christians working there. They stole from you. They robbed you of your goods. And it would seem a lot easier to just not be so identified with the church of Jesus Christ. Just stay home. That way you won't be singled out by the IRS or by a hostile government or by a communistic system that maybe wants to shut down free speech. All in an effort to shut down this speech. So just calm down. Just stay home. Just shh. It'll be easier for you. So what's the next strategy of the devil? To make us stay home. And there are things we as Americans believe because we're Americans, it'll never happen here. If Jesus tarries, put your seatbelt on. Something will happen that will entice you to stay home. Entice you to be quiet. But as you see that day approaching, all the more, 
gather together. Well, what if the law says that we can't gather together? Then I would say, have a conversation with Daniel, Moses, the apostles, Paul, Rahab, David, Jonathan, Abraham, John the Baptist, the martyred saints, Joshua, Elijah, the judges, and Jeremiah for a few on how they defied the governmental laws of the land to do what God said. Have a conversation with them. Have a conversation with the Lord God. So this is what you say. This is what they say. What do we do? And that is really when we need to all come together and be able to say, church, what do we do? You see what has risen up against us. We know our hearts. We're not looking for a fight, but what do we do? The devil has laid his strategy. It's in our faces now. And it comes all of a sudden sometimes. What do we do? And because we're a church that knows one another and loves one another and cares for one another, we can mutually edify each other to know this is how we should walk. For the glory of God and in biblical unity. And when the church lives like that, Satan can't take it out. He cannot do it. Father, I I pray in Jesus' holy name that you would give us a revelation of your church, a revelation of your body. I pray, Father, that you would help us to just simply understand the privilege that is given to us to be joined to Jesus Christ, to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I want to just give you a moment just to sit, let something sink in that God said to you, something from the scriptures that you read. Let it sink into you and understand, and as you sit there, ask the Lord this question, how can I, in my faith, live in such a way as to make the church more glorious, more beneficial to you in this hour than I have been?